some days. Um, and so I, I woke up, and that's how I, I felt in my head, and um, I sat down to uh, read over these passages. And these are not like feel-good passages, you know, like, hey, these aren't like the Hobby Lobby on your coffee cup. They don't put this one on there, okay? But uh, I read it and uh, just like felt the Lord just like come over me and um, it's like, yes, Lord, beware of false prophets. I feel so helped, right? Anyway, it's... The, the, um, the, the Word of God brings light um, kind of wherever it's at, and so hopefully it does that for you this morning uh, as well. Okay, so Matthew seven fifteen, same thing we read last week, but we're going to look at the good stuff in it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And that's where I was just like, thank you, Lord. (laughs) You know, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is God's word. And like I said, it's the same one we did last week, but I wanted to do another week on it because every example we went through last week was negative, right? False prophets uh, are, are wolves, okay? They, they uh, eat the sheep to feed themselves, and every scripture last week, they do it for money, right? They're just always after um, money. Second, false prophets, false leaders, they keep people on the broad path, okay? They exhort people with a false peace, and they teach people to live without sobriety about the day of the Lord, okay? Hey, it's not coming, okay? Peace, peace, live how you want, live for this age, put treasures on earth, not in heaven, and, and peace, peace. So this week, I want to look at markers of, of true prophets, okay? True leaders, true apostles, true evangelists, true teachers, okay, true shepherds of God's people. And the first thing is, if false leaders take advantage and, and kill the sheep, always for money, true leaders do what? They don't, right? <laughs> I know, it's, I have a dizzying intellect, all right? <laughs> they, they don't, all right? They disadvantage themselves themselves for the sake of the sheep. They die for the sheep and never to take their money. They don't exist to be served. These kinds of leaders, shepherds, teachers, apostles, prophets, they exist to serve. Like this is the point of their life, a life of service to the flock that God has entrusted to them. And we see this all the way back in Moses. Now, obviously, Jesus, right? Like, we're going to get into that language. It's exactly what he says. The good shepherd dies for the dies for the sheep. That's in Moses, guys. And, and all of your New Testament is in Moses, actually. It's just kind of all there. Hebrews 3, 1 and 2. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle, Helen, this is just a weird memory. I'm out of it today, guys. Sorry. I was at uh, my family in Texas, and we ate so... We had fried turkey, okay? Which, I don't know if you've had a fried turkey. If you haven't, you should, okay? And I ate so much stuff and pie, and we got back last night, and so I'm everywhere. Sorry. Helen, 
we were over in that building, and you read this scripture, and yours says Jesus the, the pioneer. Do you remember that? I remember that. Okay, sorry. Jesus is the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was. So the example of Jesus actually points back to Moses, who was faithful in all God's house. So what's the connection between Jesus and Moses? Back to Sinai, Exodus 32. There's a lot going on here, but we'll just run through it quickly. Moses and Joshua go up, and the people do the golden calf bit, right? Here's Aaron, here's our earrings, and this golden calf popped out. Like, that's what he says. Like, I don't know how it happened. It just, it just happened, okay? And so God is rightly furious at this, right? It's the equivalent of uh, Sinai is the wedding ceremony, right? The whole bit, and you find out the bride is cheated on the groom that day, right? On that, like, very bad deal. And he says, I'm going to destroy them in my wrath and in my fury. And Moses does what? He intercedes on behalf of the people and says, hey, take, take my life instead. Because if you destroy all of them, it will renew your government. And what will the other gods say? And what will the other nations say about you? So don't do that. Take my life instead. Right? I'm standing in for the people. Take my life. Okay? Like that. That's what happens there. The shepherd stands in for the sheep. Right? The, a false leader would have said, yeah, go get them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Moses d- does not. And, and not only that. So that's the first connection with Moses. Not only that. The leaders of God's people, even back in Moses, are, are not after their money, okay? So when Moses is being an idiot and trying to do everything himself, his father-in-law, uh, Jethro, you seen Prince of Egypt, is the big white beard, okay? <laughs> Look at your life through heaven's eyes. You know, that's Jethro. He tells him, Moses, like, that's not going to work, okay? You, you can't do all the stuff. There's a lot of sheep, a lot of sheep, and we need lots of helpers. And so he says, Exodus 18... He says, moreover, Moses, don't do the idiot bit. Instead, look for able men from all the people, okay? And what needs to mark these able men from all the people? It's men who fear God, okay? We we, we saw the clouds at Sinai. That's scary. Who fear God, who are trustworthy, and money again, men who hate a bribe, okay? It is Vital back in Exodus and 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 so so much more now. Vital that the shepherds of the flock of God cannot be in love with the riches of this age, because if they are, like if their heart is just just set to default on things in this age, money and, and bribes for power and influence can sway them. Right? They're serving Sermon on the Mount. Still, they're serving two masters. They got a, a, two eyes: one on this age, one on the age to come. And, and this is part of what characterizes Moses' own leadership. Num- number sixteen, they're doing that stuff. And Moses says, I, "I've never even taken a donkey from you guys." Okay. Part of his what marks his leadership is, I, "I'm not out to rob you." Oh. I'm not, I'm not out to, to take from you. Like, I'm here to serve you and get you into the promised land. Like, that's the goal. And so the fruit of, of Jethro's advice, right, that Moses, you got to appoint other leaders, other shepherds. Uh, they get 70. The Lord fills them with the Spirit, and they all prophesy that what happens here, the fruit of this is good. Verse 23, Moses, if you do this, one, God will direct you. That's good. Two, you will be able to endure. That's good. And three, all these people will go to their place in peace. Right? Like that's, it matters what I'm saying. Like, like true leadership, true apostles, true evangelists, true teachers, true shepherds, true teachers. It matters 
to get people to the promised land, right? To, to inherit eternal life. And so starting in Moses, it just carries on into the New Testament. Like, where do you think Paul gets these ideas? He's not just making stuff up, you know what I mean? <laughs> he didn't, I don't know. When Paul is, is appointing leaders to these little tiny bands of churches, what's required of these guys? First uh, Titus 1, appoint elders as God's steward. They must be above reproach, not arrogant, not quick-tempered, not a drunkard, drunkard or violent, or greedy for gain. It's just what Moses said. They, they, can't, they can't be swayed by bribes and money and power and influence. They have to have hearts that are for the people to serve and love them. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.17, Paul's... Uh, contrasting his ministry to the ministry of the false apostles. He says, unlike so many, we don't peddle the word of God for profit, right? We're not out here to, to, to get rich off of these people. 2 Corinthians 12, uh, 17. Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent to you? I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him, and Titus didn't exploit you, did he? Did we not act in the same spirit and follow the same course? So you see, it's just the same thing over and over and over. They don't exploit, Okay. And I know I'm talking about like, like things that, that, that Jesus gives us, right? Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. But this is true just if you have any kind of charge over anyone, right? Whether you are a boss or a husband or a parent or whatever, any kind of charge, this is still it, okay? You exist to serve and love and not take advantage of the people in your charge. Because if you do, things go very badly for you at the day of the Lord. You're going to give an account and, and like... This is a, a different thing, but like there's powers in the heavens, right? Principalities and powers. and Like they've been given charge over things and people and regions, and they're going to give account for those things at the day of the Lord, okay? So like whatever principality is over those portions of Africa and the Middle East that's leading people into deception through Islam and all that bit, how's the day of the Lord go for them? Bad, bad. You don't want to be the guy that led people into deception, Bad, 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 bad. You want to be the one who leads people in righteousness. And this is what Jesus says. John uh, 10. You guys know this one if, if you've been in, in church world. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. Okay? So the, the context of John 10 is John 9. Okay? That's how stories go. Right? John 9, uh, Jesus has healed a man, and they've kicked him out of the temple. Right? They, they said, get out of here. Right? You, you can't be in here. They're, they're thieves, and they're robbers who are exploiting people for money and power. Okay? So it's a real specific audience, the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders here. They're not shepherds. That's their call. Right? They're not shepherds. They're thieves and robbers. Okay? But the sheep didn't listen to them. Verse 9, Jesus says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me... He will be saved and will go in and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. Okay? So who is the thief? <laughs> Alright? It's not the devil. Though, of course, does the devil steal and kill and destroy? 100%. Right? He's the father of life. This is what he does. But Jesus isn't talking about the devil here. He's talking to the religious leaders who are exploiting people for power and money. These thieves, these robbers and liars, they come only to steal. But I came as opposite these guys, as a good shepherd, as a good leader, as the Hebrews 3 apostle, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And how does Jesus give life to the sheep? He dies. Right? Like He gives himself for them. I'm the good shepherd. And not only 
does the good shepherd not take from the sheep? He what? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And then the most baller verse in the Bible, verse 18, no one takes my life from me. No, you know what I mean? Like the cross isn't happening to Jesus. It's not like, oh, poor guy, you know. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. So more like Jesus happens to, to the cross. kind of. Bit. No one takes my life from me. This is my own doing. This is my own accord. And so this is the model Jesus gives. This is what the apostle does. The prophet does. The teacher does. The leader does. It's service for the sake of other people. And that's like the God that we worship. You know what I mean? Like you could have, you know, drawn the lottery and got a different God who doesn't do this. You got this one. <laughs> Praise God. It's service for the sake of others. It's death for the sake of others. Right? Like, like again, the, the gods of the other nations, they sacrifice people for themselves. Okay? The God of Israel sacrifices himself. He gives of himself. The gods of other nations, they, they require service and all this stuff. The God of Israel, he dons a towel and washes dirty feet. You know what I mean? Like, like this, is, this is who God is. This is who Jesus is. If Moses could, you know, when, when Moses goes up on Sinai and he says, show me your glory. And he says, well, I'm going to show you my backside, that, that bit. If Moses could have peered into the glory up on Mount Sinai, not had his eyeballs burn out. You know what he would have seen? Like a 5'5 Jewish guy with a towel around his waist. That's the glory of the God of Israel. A servant who gives his life for the sake of his people. And so as we give our lives for others, it, it doesn't function you know, like atonement like, like Jesus does, obviously. But it does function in the same love, right? Like if I die for you, it doesn't do anything about your sins. But you can see the love of God in these things, right? This is just... How God's people are to function and, and operate. It's, it's sacrificing for the sheep, not the sacrificing of the sheep, even if it means suffering. Okay? You know what I mean? Like it's easy to, to, to walk in leadership when everything is okay and everyone's singing your praises and stuff. It's really hard when it requires suffering. It, it, <laughs> like that's when people usually tap out and go work at UPS. You know what I mean? <laughs> Col- uh, Colossians one twenty four. This is Paul again. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Okay? <laughs> and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. We'll deal with that because if you read that the first time you're like, something's lacking in Christ's afflictions? It's, there's not. There's nothing lacking. Okay. I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, for the sheep. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me to make known the word of God fully. Okay, so all Paul is saying here is that by his suffering, okay, by his afflictions, which are, are detailed right in first Second Corinthians. It's a lot. Don't, you know, don't get on a boat with Paul. By his afflictions and his trials and and his response to those afflictions in love, in Paul's doing of that, all right, the church and the world, right, out out of the church, in Paul's living that way and responding to those things in love, the church and the world is able to see what God is like, right? His suffering in love on behalf of other people is a big billboard that says, hey, this is what the Jewish God is like. 
this is what the Messiah is like. So he's not saying there's something lacking in the atonement, right? Can you just nod your heads, please? Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's good, all right? It, it's good. He's saying, you guys, right, the, the, the church at Colossae, you didn't get to see how Jesus lived. You didn't get to see how he suffered. You didn't get to see how he, how he served and how he died on behalf of others. So now I am showing it to you. I'm filling up what's lacking in your vision. Because you didn't get to see all this stuff. I, I'm filling this up. And so now, what does Paul just, what bell does he ring over and over? Now you guys imitate me as, as I'm imitating Christ. Right? That's what he's filling up. They just couldn't, they, they weren't there. Right? And, and we weren't there either. So we need people to go before us and, and serve in love and suffer in love and fill up what's lacking for us too. Right? Like it's, okay. All right. And, and what's, what is, verse is that? 25. This is how the word of God is made fully known. Suffering saints on behalf of others. Paul says, yep, this is how the gospel goes out and people see it and people believe it. You know what I mean? Because we can preach, 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 talk, 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 talk. But if we never actually embody this stuff that Jesus embodied, why would anyone ever believe us ever? Like you guys say, Jesus suffered on on behalf of others and, and sacrificed on behalf of others. But you guys won't even... There's a disconnect, right? And people... People aren't idiots, right? If you say stuff and then you don't walk it out, they're not going to believe you generally. So this is what Paul is doing. He's like, this is how Jesus lived. This is how I'm living. This is how you know what that guy was like, right? It's pointing to him. The, the gospel message of God's sacrificial love must be backed up with visible actions of God's sacrificial love, okay? So you know, Dad was talking about with money, like, what good is it to, to talk about sacrificing for others if it never touches our pocketbook? Like, that, like that's, just, that's just the deal. It's embodied in all of God's people. Like, we're all to live this way. But especially in Moses and in Paul and in Jesus, especially in the leaders. Not only in our words, but in our deeds and how we give up our lives for the sake of others. Like, that's what the true prophet is. That's what the true apostle is, the true teacher, evangelist, whatever. That's what it is. You give yourself for the sheep. You don't use the sheep for for yourself, okay? All right, that's the first marker. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. The second one, the second marker is, again, just like the false prophets. False prophets keep people on a broad path. True prophets do what? Very good. All right. I think we're getting somewhere. Okay. <laughs> they encourage people on the narrow path, okay? True prophets tell no lies, and they teach on the front end that the way is hard, just like Jesus taught, just like Moses taught, just like Paul, Peter, James, John, all say the road is hard. And so they give themselves to encouraging people and, and exhorting the flock to live soberly before the day of the Lord, all right? This is what the letters in your New Testament are. It's Paul talking way too much, okay? Peter and James, they just give it to you. I like those guys. Paul has to, okay? All they're saying is the day of the Lord is coming. Put your hope in the mercy of God in the cross and walk that thing out, okay? I just told you your whole New Testament. There you go. You got it, okay? 1 Thessalonians 2. The appeal that we make does not spring from error, it's true, or impure motive. We are not trying to please men, but God. 
You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. We were not looking for praise from men. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but instead we were gentle among you like nursing mothers. Okay? That's a requirement to be a pastor, by the way. Gentleness, like nursing mothers. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believe. So Paul's opening up, same bit. Okay, we're not after the praise of men. We're not after your money. We're not wolves. Our aim is that you finish the race. I want you to inherit eternal life. That's what he's saying, and he keeps going. For we, you know, we dealt with each of you, this time not as gentle mothers, but as a father deals with his own children. Okay? And how are fathers to deal with their children? Verse 12, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Urging you to walk a narrow path and not choose the broad one. uh, Worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. Do you see? Like that's just, that's the whole New Testament. That's all it is, over and over and over and over and over, exhorting people to live with a single eye on the coming kingdom, right? Who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. Verse 19, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Day of the Lord. When do we inherit our hope, our joy, our crown, right? Hope that's seen isn't hope, Romans 8, right? For hope, it's okay. <laughs> hope that's seen. So when do we inherit these things? When he comes. Eschatology drives discipleship. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our joy, our glory, and our crown. So you see, all Paul's saying is every church he goes to, every church he plants, every, every you know, every trip, he's just saying, I want you to inherit eternal life. So I'm teaching you about the cross, I'm teaching you about the day of the Lord, and I'm teaching you to walk a narrow path. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over, right? And so if I'm getting repetitive, I just preach from the passage to blame the Bible. It's repetitive, right? (laughs) Over and over. Colossians 1. And so from the day we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why does Paul pray this? Why is Paul asking that they have this? Like, what's his end game? Verse 10, praying this so that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That you walk a narrow path, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Right? I'm asking God to give you wisdom to walk a narrow path and avoid the ditches, right? Because there's ditches. You guys know this. <laughs> Especially as, like, Americans, the ditches are our comfort, right? Like, it is so easy to live for this age and live for comfort. It is like, like, we just had Black Friday and then cyber, like, 24-7, the message, like, you've seen the Pepsi commercial, live for now. Like, we get that 24-7, and so we have to have instruction from God and instruction from our leaders and prophets and teachers and evangelists. Says, hey, watch out for the ditches, man. That stuff will grab your soul and just take you there. Instead, walk a narrow path. And so I have to pray that you would have wisdom and understanding so that you would walk, uh, what's he say? Fully pleasing. Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's what he's saying. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power. This is his prayer. According to his glorious might. Why is he asking that they be strengthened with power? For all endurance and patience with joy. 
I have to pray. I'm praying that you guys are strengthened with power so you walk the narrow path. So you, you know what I mean? Because you're just not going to walk that way by yourself. Like if it's just up to Josh and all of Josh's awesomeness, I will go into the ditch my next step. But if I've got people like Paul praying for me, that I would have strength, I'm going to walk the narrow path. Right? A plus B equals C. Or t- one plus one equals two. There All right. Second Timothy two. You then, my child, talking talking to Timothy here. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace of God that's in Christ Jesus. Okay, just quickly, leaders give strength; they don't sap it. The false ones who are wolves and ravenous clay, they they take and take and take and take and take. You be strengthened by that grace, and what you have heard from me, so it's teaching, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so the teaching is exhortation on a narrow path. Share, so to do this, Timothy, you need to share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Okay? So listen to his language here, where the false prophets say, peace, peace, peace. It's going to be easy, right? Just walk this thing out however you want, peace, peace. The true prophets know, the true leaders know, they tell them on the front end, it's going to be hard. They don't say peace, peace. He says, you're going to need to be, Paul says, a soldier. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, right? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear, right? Treasures on earth and I on this age. No soldier gets entangled in that since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So first a soldier, then an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And then third, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the share of the crops. Okay? Soldiers, athletes, farmers, like all of these people are people with iron wills, right? Like especially farmers, like no, (laughs) right? You go into farming knowing this is hard, right? I assume, like you don't like, man, this is the easy path to trust in the weather, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like... Farming is hard, and every farmer knows that on the front end, and yet they still do it, <laughs> okay? Being a soldier is hard, and everyone knows that on the front end. Being an athlete who competes is hard, and everyone knows that on the front end. This is all Paul's saying to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, you got to share in suffering as a soldier, as an athlete, and as a farmer. Can you? Are you good with that? Like he's telling him on, on the front end, okay? And then, verse 8, Paul's going to give more information. Look, you're going to share in suffering as a soldier, athlete, and farmer. And here's the instruction you need and that you need to give to other people so that they walk as soldiers, athletes, and farmers. Verse 8, what is it? Remember the Messiah, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound, Okay? So it is the message that keeps us on a narrow path, that keeps us with a single eye on the age to come. The message that true prophets preach is the message of the gospel, which is the message of the covenants, which is the message that's confirmed by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, right? If Jesus is still in the tomb, I don't believe a word God said to Eve. I don't believe a word God said uh, to Noah or to Abraham or David or Moses. I don't believe any of those things if Jesus is still in the tomb. But since he is risen from the dead, everything he said to Eve will come to pass. Everything he said to Noah will come to pass. Everything, you know what I mean? It's the message of the prophets. 
coming to pass. And those words and anchoring our hearts in those words that like, look, no matter what happens today or tomorrow or the next day or whatever, God actually made a promise to Eve that the son of her womb would crush the serpent's head and reverse the curse forever and we'd stop dying. Like, that's going to happen. I know that's going to happen because God raised Jesus from the dead. And so I can walk a, a narrow path to the end of my life or, or if he comes, knowing that's, that's true. That's the anchor of my soul. But if I don't have that, like the next bad day I have is just going to throw me, throw me. It's just going to toss me. I'll be a double-minded man in, in, in James. Like, I don't know if I can believe God or not. Like, no, you can. God raised Jesus from the dead. So the promise to Eve will come true. The serpent will crush the head. Abraham's family really will bless all the nations. The son of David really will sit on the throne and govern all the nations in righteousness, which we all long for and hope for. But we know it's true because God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay? Like that is a message that keeps you on a narrow path. That, like, <laughs> true prophets encourage you in those things. And those things, the covenants become gasoline for your car to keep going, right? Just to keep moving and keep moving and keep moving and keep moving, okay? We will skip First and Second Peter for time. Back to Second Timothy. I, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Why does Paul endure hardship? Why? So that they may also obtain salvation. The shepherd is enduring things for the sake of, of the flock, right? That's the first point. So what's the instruction for the narrow path from, from Paul here? The staying is trustworthy. If we've died with him, we will live with him. If we endure with him, soldiers, athletes, farmers, if we endure with him, we will also reign with him. Hallelujah. So, so true, true leaders, what he's doing here, they call people, just like Jesus calls people, hey, carry your cross in this age. Right? Pick up your cross every single day and follow me before glory. This is what Jesus did. Carried a cross to Jerusalem and then inherits glory, just like Jesus. Okay? So that's the instruction. Carry a cross now, inherit glory later, and then Paul brings the sobriety into the equation. Okay? Because you've got to have sobriety before the day of the Lord or you won't live for it. You just won't. Okay? You just won't. Paul says this next. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Sermon on the Mount. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he can't deny himself. Okay? So verse 13, if, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. It means the same thing as verse 12. If we deny him, he will deny us. Okay? So it's not a feel-good verse. It's a warning, sober, uh, day of the Lord verse. Okay? Um, if we are faithless... That's what he says. If we are faithless, if we hop uh, off of the narrow path and hop onto that broad path, the Lord remains faithful to bless the righteous and curse the wicked. He's going to be fa- like, like the kingdom of God is coming. The day of the Lord is coming with or without you. You know what I mean? Like it's true whether you believe it or, or not. Okay. So it's, this is not a lot. So I just have to say that because I've, I've heard this preached as like this license to unrepentant sin. Well, if I'm faithless, he remains faithful, bless God. It's like, no, if you're faithless, he's going to remain faithful to do the day of the Lord thing. Okay, So it's, it's sobriety. It's, it's, it's instruction to the people, hey, stay on the narrow path. 
like lean into the mercy of God and, and, and the cross. It's a fear of the Lord verse, okay? I say all that to say true leaders, one, they don't take from the sheep. They give themselves for the sheep. And two, they preach a gospel that encourages steadfastness, that encourages people, hey, stay on the path. Right? Lean into the mercy of God today and tomorrow when you wake up and the next day when you wake up and the next day when you wake up, trusting in God to, to keep you, right? Jude 1, he's able to keep you from stumbling before that day, okay? So what happens if, if they don't? What happens if we, we don't preach this gospel and instead preach a broad path? Proverbs 28, or 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no, no instruction in the covenants, the people cast off restraint. If they're not instructed in the day of the Lord, who cares? Hosea 4.6, the people are destroyed. Why? The lack of knowledge. Wrong instruction. Where the gospel grounded in the covenants is not preached, people choose a broad path every single time. Because their hearts, man, like that's just what they want to do. <laughs> they just want to do whatever they want to do. And so God gives us churches to instruct us and, and admonish one another on the narrow path. Okay? Um, so instead of that, instead of... No prophetic vision. Instead of that, 2 Timothy 2, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, okay, day of the Lord, I give you this charge, Timothy. What should you do? Because this is coming. Preach the word. Correct. Rebuke. Encourage with great patience, not beating people, and careful instruction. Because Jesus is coming in view of his appearing and in view of his kingdom. Preach the word, Timothy. Rebuke, encourage, exhort with careful instruction because this is God's mechanism to keep us. Like this is what God has chosen is a book with some words in it and the spirit of God breathing on it. Right? (laughs) I wouldn't have done it that way, but that's what he did. So to, to, to to the wise leader... Again, if you just take it out of church, like boss, husband, parent, whatever. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew 24. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? He's going to feed them. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. It's going to be good for you, okay? Giving yourself for the sheep. Encouraging sobriety is a good place to be found when the sky opens up. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll close here and and, and bring us into to Advent. Israel, at the time of of Jesus, is in need of confirmation that God is not a liar. They're they're in need of, of confirmation that that God will come through on His promises to the patriarchs. Okay, because they've been waiting a long time, right? Matthew 1 and Luke 1 are a long ways off from Genesis 12. Thousands of years, they're, they're waiting. It's like, is God a liar? Is he true? Should we capitulate to Rome and just do that? Like, what should we do? They're, they're waiting. They're in need of a king, in need of a, a savior, a leader, an apostle. And they're in need of one who, who, would, who would save them, right? He will save his people from their sins. They're in need of one who, unlike the false leaders of, of the time, would not take advantage of them, but save them and, and give his life as a ransom for them. Okay, And so it's into this story, the, the Christmas story, the Advent story of waiting and longing for their king to come. It's into that world that the 
words of Gabriel ring out. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. The promise to the patriarchs. Gabriel says God's going to do it. And he will reign over the house of Jacob as a true leader, true prophet, true king forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So the life and birth and death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, they're all pointing to the climax of the story, the return of the king to shepherd the people in righteousness, to to reign over them in, in justice and in truth. For out of Bethlehem, Micah 5, shall come forth the one who is the ruler in Israel, and he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth." And he will be their peace. This is the true leader of God's people, right? Everyone else, whatever position you're in, everyone else is an under-shepherd to this good shepherd. And so we instruct each other, admonish each other, encourage each other, and, and, and by the word and by the spirit, imitate him for the sake of others, right? I mean, like this, okay, I'm done, let's pray. Music team, could you guys come up? <laughs> let's stand and let's uh, let's pray. Father, um, you are the good shepherd. You are the good leader. You are you are the prophet Moses spoke about. Are you the one to come, or, or should we expect another? God, you you're the one. You're the one who will lead your people in righteousness. You're the one who gives yourself. God who who goes low and serves you're the one who dons a towel and so God I ask that uh, whatever whatever sphere we have God as as, uh, bosses and employees and and parents and and, uh, church members God that we imitate our Lord in this thing God that we go low to serve one another that we have this mind of Christ that, uh, that though he had quality with God, though he took on the took on human flesh and served and went low and died. Lord Jesus, we ask that like this would mark us. God, that we would not be a people who take advantage of each other. That we would be a people who show mercy to each other. And God, I ask you for the the next the, the coming weeks, God, as we look back on and remember your your first advent, uh, that would fill us with hope for the second one. God, would fix our eyes on the day uh, when Jesus returns to shepherd His people, Israel. In the name of Jesus, everyone said.